Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. They were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. William, how are you? Good, thank you. And straight from the off this time, we, we usually let, it, let him come in after about 10 minutes, but we're giving him the royal treatment after a Champions Cup final weekend. Keen Tracy of the Irish Independent. Keen, how are you Cheers. doing? I'm looking forward to seeing how you get on with your new duties this evening. I know, yeah. For full disclosure, uh, our sound engineer is uh, on another job within the company, so I have been tasked with putting this together. And if you're hearing me, it's already a win, I guess, because then at least... <laughs> Although it didn't get off to a great start when you were wondering how to turn on the lights. In the yeah, room, the, so the light switch has eluded me for momentarily, momentarily. Uh, we have light though we, we have light light. we well hopefully done. have sound if you're listening thank you very much it's the first um, win of the evening will yeah so guys time to final weekend we yeah. built it up about as big as you could build it up last week the game of games the final of finals what did you think did it deliver overall as, as, a, as a spectacle as a, as I a game? did I did actually I thought it was really tense I thought it was um, again like it was the worry was always it was going to be dominated by defence mm. and Saracens I thought were f- I thought it was comprehensive. I guess what people are saying about like different moments and uh, that could definitely change the complexion. But overall, like they they dominated more of the collisions than Leinster did. They got momentum all the time. Um, I mean, the difference in how it looked like when uh, Farrell had the ball as opposed to when Johnny Sexton had the ball, um, very very different. Um, I thought there's a little bit of thinking to do because I think England are going to defend like that as well and I think you need to come up with ways to to manage that because they're just not managing the offside line quite simply um, so you've got to try and figure out different ways of doing that uh, how you exit um, do you like I, I think they kind of lots of teams look like they've kind of figured out and they're hedging their bets on the box kicks which kind of nullifies a fairly big strength for all the Irish teams uh, so how do you how do you still you know play to that strength in the air that everyone would have from kind of GAA backgrounds and because they place a big emphasis on it they're usually pretty good we're, you know I think we're pretty good at it so there's a few things to figure out in that respect and then I think um, particularly in attack like it looks like it's stifling it looks like it's almost impossible to play against so like there needs to you need to figure out how to get around that and there is there, of course there's ways to get around it because if you're going if you're oh, if you're committing that hard to it somewhere it has to break down somewhere it does. It just does have to break down somewhere. So how do you get to those places where there's vulnerabilities? Bloody hard thing to do, Will. I don't have the answer myself. We'll have a few musings about yeah. maybe some possible things you could do. But I thought, on balance, Saracens, it was it was a comprehensive win. I thought that Leinster kind of had small patches in the game where they got on top. But, you know, I thought, as I said, the collisions were all theirs, I thought, for, on the day. And I feel like if you're winning all the collisions, that... On balance, you, like you'll get more of those moments where you'll break the team down. Like more of those moments will become they're easier for you to take advantage of. Uh, everything looked difficult and 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 really like it looked so trying for Leinster to impose themselves in any way on the game and attack. Um, so I I felt I felt they 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 won comprehensively. 
Yeah, I'd actually agree. I agree with most of what Luke says there. But I, I in your piece uh, reviewing the game on Monday, you did focus on those two key moments that, you know, even taking into account what Luke says, like Saracens were getting over the game line far easier. Farrell had a lot more time in the ball. Like their whole backline seemed to have a lot more time in the ball in general. But there was two key moments in the game where if they go differently, it, it is it is a different scoreline. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose one of the things that we've praised Leinster so much is their decision-making and their skills under pressure. That's what set them outside of the, the best teams in Europe, particularly last season and again this season. But it let them down at times. Um, I think what we would say is hindsight is great and you know it's it's so easy for us to analyse it now. But even at the time when you would, would start with the box kick, maybe you know just for half-time, even at the time I was thinking watching it, why doesn't that ball go to touch? Farrell had just put Saracens on the board for the first time. Uh, you get back to 10-3. Itoje had just come back onto the pitch. There was a lot of momentum going with Saracens. I'm not sure why Luke McGrath just didn't put the ball into touch. I get the logic, but it it just didn't. It doesn't seem like to me like great logic. Billy Vunapola was outside the 22. Rob Carney and Jordan There was no Armour. chase. So yeah, but there was no chase. Yeah. yeah, this is the point I was making. There was no chase with the box kick which suggested that neither Rob Kearney or Jordan Armour were preparing. And Luke, you would know a lot more about this being out in the wing. And then, it, it, like, I was trying to That's watch it back no to see... That's why it made no sense. Like, the, 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 the thinking from Saxony said, we wanted to contest the box kick on the 22, which, fair enough, if there's a good chase, you win the ball back. But there was no chase, so therefore... But, like, I think that probably reflects more on the chasing. They were ready for that. Like, they were there. Like, when he caught it, like, Rob Kearney was there. I actually felt like they kind of, the blocking lines were pretty good. But I also felt like they didn't take off for it straight away. Like usually, like the 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 key part of that, it was a good kick. Like it, it went, like it went to kind of twenty five meters. That kind of it, it was perfect where it went. Uh, there was good height in it. Uh, I thought they did some good blocking, as I said, but I also thought the chase was just a little laboured. And then, um, you know, then the kick looks really ordinary. When it was actually quite a good kick. Um, but, but like is it, is like Rob Carney is is brilliant in the air. Like I don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, sorry, my, my view is Lencer Lencer have been so good the last two years because they've attacked and they saw an opportunity where they had the team on the rack and they were yeah they're they're just over the halfway line why I don't I don't get I don't I can't see how this game is hinged on this one moment I think there's a bit of bad luck where Rob Kearney in fairness I wouldn't um, I wouldn't actually blame him for the position he got caught in it was just really awkward uh, he's no way he's getting out of there it was really clever wasn't it by Funicola keeps him in there and then you see yeah. Spencer and Jamie George are roaring there's no way to get out of there like. but, but I do disagree that Le- uh, Leinster had done the racks at that time because like I said Itoje had just come back on Farrell puts him on the scoreboard 10-3 yeah. like the, the momentum had slightly but it was shifted. 10-3 and they had held onto the ball for quite a long period of time um, I don't know. Uh, look, well, another element of it that I would take issue with is a lot of people pointing that, like you know, Lencer and that attacking mindset means that they were, you know, they were always going to keep that ball alive rather than kick it out at half time because, like, it'd be different if they were numbers up and there was a chance to go, you know, to to really, you know, go after them. This was just a box kick, you know, you know, at, when Vinopolo was standing in the twenty-two, it's not as if they had to go after that. Oh, we've a great chance here to score. I don't understand why a bit of pragmatism doesn't come into it. Obviously, your mindset for the most part is out, but there needs to be a bit of flexibility. You can't just always do the same thing all the time. But I don't think it was the same thing all the time. I think everyone's saying that they're like I. Like, I think if they make a good tackle on Vinopolo there, they've got that ball like literally just outside their twenty-two. Like, and then Leinster have been defending quite well. They're all going forward. Saracens are going back more often than not. If that happens. Like there's a lots of things Saracens that they're yeah, but that the touch immediately. Yeah, maybe maybe yeah. they do, maybe they don't. Maybe you then get you know you get a good clean out on top. Maybe you maybe they play one more phase to try and play it out, and, and you get a turnover there. You put the squeeze on. But either way, this game there was 80 minutes of this game. This is one moment, and I get that it was around half time, and everyone says oh, these are the key moments. But I'd be more looking at the other things that happened around it. Like mm. it's it's never just one thing. Like sorry, it's not that it's never, but. It's more often than not, it's never just one thing. I thought there was a few things that were poor with that. I thought the chase was poor. I thought the tackle was poor. I thought the kick was... I, I, I think everyone's looking at the wrong stuff. Like, I think that, that ball should have been caught maybe five metres outside the 22. Uh, if, if, you, if you chase it correctly, you get up quickly in the air. You maybe knock it back. You know, there's loads of good things that can happen from being in that position. At the end of the day, we always talk about territory. That was 25 metres out from their line. Like, that's not a bad place to be. Like, I don't see why, with the quality of chasers that Leinster have, that everyone's making a big deal about this. I, I, I really thought there was lots of other things. I thought Leinster's a far bigger 
concern for me throughout the game was Leinster's kind of passivity in defence. It was that key part about coming off the line originally, but then holding in the well, space. What do you think that was? Because that's something that you, you've talked about But I've talked about this for quite that's a while. Saying, but yeah. why do you think that was? Well, I, I don't know. I think there's, for, for whatever reason, the guys on the inside are concerned about the ball, of, of, of not being able to get pressure on the ball, on the guy who has the ball, which means that if they can't do that, then if they or sorry if they can't get to him before he's passed the ball, they feel like they need to be involved in the next one. But that's not how Leinster are defending. That's not how they've defended when they're defending really well. Those guys keep coming forward. What it means is that extra half a second, that guy you feel that Johnny Sexton felt all day that that guy, even if they even if he got the ball away, there was a guy breathing down his neck when he was doing it. There's a very different feeling when you're ball playing under pressure when. If you get, it's, you can feel the defence coming up. If you can get them to hold and sit in their, sit there, um, just on their heels, and you have that two meter gap, because they know they're not going to get you, but half of it is actually just feeling like it's there. That if you throw the dummy, that the guy's going to smash you, or they're going to get an intercept or something. You watch what La- what Saracens they just keep coming forward. They just keep coming forward. They don't stop, even if they know they're not going to get the ball card. They just keep coming forward. What it does is. It gives the guys in the if you if you stop on that position, the guys on the outside can't come forward because it gives you that little bit of dog leg. If they come forward, it doesn't. Yeah, if you keep coming forward, so you look at Saracens, anytime Lancer check back inside, the guy had kept coming forward, there was nowhere for him to go. So if you need to keep coming forward, it drags your outside defenders forward, puts them in better positions to make offensive tackles. Um, because again, they've had that comfort of the guys coming in. So if they stop on the inside, you have to stop too on the outside. So that's why Saracens look so bloody good there, is because their guys just kept coming forward. Um, and I thought that was a, that was a concern for Lancer. I thought they didn't do that well. I also thought they didn't ball play. Um, they backed themselves to be able to get, especially in the forward pod. So I talked about this on News Talk on the Friday morning. How dare you? How dare I? I talked about a few things. No, I talked about a few things that actually was quite interesting. I thought it was interesting because. It's very rare. I'm not. I'm no Nostradamus or anything like this. But what I did say was that I was very clear on that. Like they needed to defend really, really well. They needed to get off the line, stop their big runners getting momentum. They also needed to figure out something to do with the exits, which they didn't do. They just box kicked or they ran it. That's what they did all game. Now I know there was some of the you know running it was kind of forced upon them because they were chasing the game a little bit. But and I'd probably make an argument against that as well. But. I thought they should have been going cross field with some of those kicks uh, to, to exit from Johnny Sexton. The high balls across field, he's brilliant at them. Um, I thought that was something that I, th- I thought Ireland didn't do it. I thought they were relying on Conor Murray and I thought the others are blocking it really well and it's just become nullified a little bit. But I also talked about the forwards, the interplay amongst the forwards. We saw very little. Now, I know they're under huge pressure, but I think Leinster forwards have the ability to, uh, to playmake there. I think if you don't playmake against them under the pressure... I think you're under real pressure all day. I think there's no decisions for their frontline guys to make all day. And you don't get any one-on-ones because they just double up on you all the time. Um, and what it does is if you do that, you start hitting the outside runner, um, it means that Johnny, you, every now and then you can pass that one out to Johnny Sexton when they start hedging their bets and trying to double up on the outside runner. And, that, and then, you're in a different, then you're in a different sphere. Then you're playing, then they say, well, do you know what, I don't think I can get the Johnny, I'm not sure we got the numbers, don't know if I can keep coming forward. So... Uh, they didn't do the, any of those things, well, which is kind of surprising. I think it was the, like, the, the, power, the, the power game that Saracens brought, I felt like, made their thinking a little bit muddled. We saw it, like, even Tyg Furlong had a chance to throw the offload mm. that he normally does close to the line, and he hesitates for a fraction of a second, and it's enough for Saracens to snuff out the danger. But I wonder, like, how much of it goes down to, with, with the muddled thinking, does communication get broken down? Because to go back to the box kick, would there be a call, Luke, to say, like, you know, some sort of call to suggest that you're, you know, you're saying that the, the chase was poor, should there not have been a call or should the guys assume it? But I'm thinking if I'm in Rob Kearney or Jordan Larmer's shoes and I look up at the clock and I see, okay, it's ticked past the red, we're tentry up, are we not just assuming, maybe it's dangerous to assume it, that that ball is going to go into touch. But like you said, so much happens after that, it's not just down to the box kick because Farrell obviously puts the penalty. And actually, I was watching, I've watched the pack so many times. Um, what did you think of the chase? No, the chase was poor. Kind of laboured, I thought. It, it yeah. was 100%. But I'm, again, I'm thinking if I'm the two, the two lads, am I assuming that that ball is going into touch? Which, again, mm. you, you probably should. But there's no doubt the chase wasn't good. But it was very interesting when uh, when Rob Kearney gives away the penalty. James Ryan flies in, slightly laid into the ruck. And the Saracens lads kind of get up and go after him. And you can hear it over the ref mic. They're like, leave him off, leave him off. Because they recognised that Farrell can put this ball down into touch. And they've got a massive chance to swing this game back in their favour. And I thought that was very interesting. They sensed the blood. But if we move it on a little bit, you know, so much happens after that. It was nine phases, I think, after when Jackson Ray wins the line-out. 
and Jordan Larmer makes a bad defensive yeah, read when no he bu- when, when he bites in. So yeah. the the box kick, we can disagree whether you know it should have went up or not. I personally think it should have went out. It didn't. But even after that, Leinster should not have allowed them in, especially with Larmer. I think biting in it was really naive stuff. But I go back to the communication. Sorry, that was my point. The communication. Was Robbie Henshaw talking to him there? Because Robbie Henshaw looked like he had Farrell. The, the communication always comes from the outside. Okay. Always. So it should have been Jordan Larry. Yeah, it will be my, your first bit of communication should always come from your, your outside guys. They have the most time. They see the most. Because you're, when you're in there, you're trying to connect. You're trying to, and then you're saying, okay, what are we doing? Who should we... Like, so mm. I always think it's a, it's, a, it's a really important thing for a winger to be able to recognise... Are we numbers up? Okay, we're hard. Are we numbers down? Okay, we're soft. Like, and you need to be delivering. You like if you don't come off the pitch, horse as a winger, um, or a fullback. I have I have a big problem. And it's, and even in the centres, I, I recognise. Like, but if you look at Robbie Henshaw's position, it's going to take like it, you're in a one-on-one situation there. At some point, you just got to trust the guys on your inside. If you're playing, like I remember playing, I was in those situations so many times. I just got to trust Rico, like whoever my my second centre is, or whoever my 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 back is on the inside. To make their tackle at some point. Now, if they're beaten and they're well beaten, I'm stepping in mm. and I'm not. I'm making sure that Farrell has to throw that pass. But he wasn't beaten. Like you need to, at some point, you need to say, create a bit of indecision. Like even if you're in that space, you just don't come all the way in if you can't make it. Like you, what you do is the way to do it is to show him this one, show him in the middle of the space. I'm looking out. He goes, okay, now I've got Robbie Henshaw, Robbie Henshaw one on one. I'm going to take him the outside. You do the you, you you feign to Maitland on the outside and then you step back off your right foot and hit him that way. You have to make guys make decisions when you're under pressure. They can't just give him one, especially if you're and if you're going to do that, you better make sure you bloody hit him. So you're saying that the the outside man should be outside going to guy so, in, yeah. so what's it like when you're a young guy who Jordan Armour is fair enough he's in his second season now but he's still a young guy. When you're in a moment like that, is that something that maybe he hasn't learned yet to maybe trust in his own voice to say to someone like Robbie Henshaw, you know, to speak outward? You know what I mean? Did you? How did you find I, out? I'm not that? sure. He's see. I I, I suppose I played a lot in the centre as mm. well, so I'd had a good appreciation yeah. of it, and I'd always been. I you know I'd had a few really good coaches who maybe who were really really focused on the talk and the chat amongst the teams. Now sometimes it was probably too much, but I I, I suppose I had good guys around me as well. That that always helps. Uh, you know, you've Rob Carney behind you, mm. giving you a good chat. You've you know, Brian O'Driscoll, Gordon Darcy, like really, really good guys around you who are, oh, they're usually in good positions as well. Do you know, that always helps like when, you're, when those guys are in good positions, but they are still expecting really good information from you and they demanded it. If you weren't giving good information to them, makes their job far, far harder. Now for someone like Jordan Larmer, Again, he's probably learning the wing a little bit. I'm not sure he's he's always been a winger. I think he's probably been more of a fullback. I think um, it's a centre in school as yeah, well. Yeah, but it maybe bits yeah. in the centre as well. Sorry, but I I think it's it's the part of him. I mean, look at the English try off mm. the scrum this year as well in the Six Nations. Like, that was a poor error as well. So like he's just learning the game in there. Um, but I think he's good enough to get it right. I think he doesn't back his footwork enough. I think he's he's in bad. I, I look at him and I look at him in bad positions all the time. Um, I look at him on on, on like on sitting back. On, on, the, on his heels a little bit. Um, I look at him kind of getting in no man's land quite a bit. Um, so I think he's got a bit in his game to improve. He's, um, fi- he's finding it tougher this season, isn't he? Because people, obviously last year when he broke on, yeah. you know, it was this unknown quantity, but yeah. I think people have his number a bit now and that's what he has to figure out because yeah. we saw it a couple of times. He, he, he did turn on the footwork, but he kind of goes back into trouble a little bit, you know, and yeah. rather than sort of backing yourself. Cause that his run, footwork's almost too good sometimes. He, he, you know, he takes an extra yeah. step. Yeah. And like bring in, back in, to the in what was it Joe Schmidt was saying during the Six Nations, I thought he was going to turn back and round everyone again. Like, yeah. you know, so yeah. I think that is something he needs to figure out. What? One thing I'd like to get your opinion on, and you kind of touched a bit on it a bit earlier, uh, what did you make of the second half when Sarsons kind of did get on top? Okay, so the box mm. kick happened, mm. you know, Leinster have that try scoring chance that they missed with, with Ringrose going into the traffic, but then after that when Sarsons maybe nudged three points ahead or they looked like mm. they were dominating, what did you make of how Leinster approached the game then when they were kind of looking to get back into it? Yeah, it's a it's a really difficult question, isn't it? It's like when you're chasing the game, like uh, giving the ball back to them. Uh, like I, I kind of think it ties into the defensive bit as well. Like I think they were getting momentum all the time. It was really, really hard to stop them. Um, you know, in terms of what Leinster did, um, I kind of felt they were a little bit trapped because usually in games against lots of teams, they just don't prepare correctly for Leinster in the air. So they just you just clean them out. So you, even if you're stuck in your half, you go, well, we've tried five or six phases here. Let's just kick in the air and we have a good chance of getting it back or putting pressure on them. Um, that didn't really work against Saracens. They were very well prepared for the box kick. So um, 
they it looks like they hadn't considered doing the crossfield kick high in the air uh, or just putting straight bombs up in the middle of the pitch, which is probably not really ideal in the middle of the pitch because it does give you two sides to attack. And then your guys, even though you're coming forward and they're coming backwards, your guys still have decisions to make either side of the rook, which is never, never really ideal. So that's why I'm suggesting the one across the pitch. Um, so it looks like they hadn't really considered that. Uh, I also thought that it becomes difficult when you haven't really considered any, any other option other than the box kick to get yourself out of trouble there. And they ended up just playing and backing themselves to get through the defence and probably piling. Like, I thought it was amazing they made a fate, like how long they kept the ball under that mm. kind of pressure. Um, but so, look, it's a, it's a, dip, it's a tricky, tricky question to, for, to, to answer, you know. I think they, they didn't react. I thought they were, it's, their hand was kind of forced upon them and I think I was surprised that nothing came on from the side of the pitch when there was still a lot of the game to go about how they were like where they were playing on the pitch and what they were deciding to do and how they were because it seems like they've only considered if they run out of momentum and they're not going to get around you that they're just going to box kick it they're not going to do any other kicks it, it was also pretty telling that they didn't look to the bench now I'm not for a second suggesting that Johnny Section should have been taken off at all but so much has been made of maybe they could have looked at a cross field kick and Ross Byrne has almost made that his trademark you know yeah. he's been doing it all season but Johnny's unbelievable at them seriously no, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and I'm not for a second suggesting I just haven't that, think they haven't but, done it or but they didn't bring any backs off the bench yeah. which we talk about Leinster, you know, producing all the players, which there's no doubt they do, but there's no doubt that they're n- they weren't as strong as a squad as they were last season. They're mm-hmm. losing the likes of Jack McGrath again next season. You know, like w- when they're starting to lose these players, like, you know, Jordy Murphy and Joey Carberry, when they leave, they're not going to be as strong. And when you need the game to change, I don't think Leinster had the, the game changers as such on the bench, which was proven because they didn't bring a sing- any of the backs on. And even... You know, Leo Collins and Lancaster, they haven't got too much wrong in terms of selection this season, but I couldn't understand how Michael Bent was on the bench instead of Andrew Porter. And that's not no slide on Michael Bent, but Porter is a power, you know, his game is based around power in the carry. And he would have been, you know, a good man to bring off the bench when you knew what you knew at Saracens yeah. were going to he get He hadn't in. played, to be fair, he hadn't played much rugby and he wasn't in great form either. So, like, that was a just. But if you're bringing moment. him off the bench, yeah. I think, for 15, 20 yeah. minutes, I think... Well, Michael Bent, I, I actually, sorry, I actually agree with you in principle, but probably for different reasons, because i just like to see the young guy in there. I don't think there's that much of a difference with, in them, you know, with them currently, to be honest with you. Um... Because I actually think Michael Benson playing brilliant rugby. He has absolutely. Honestly, see, like, no, for I, in I, league, I've been watching I, him. I, I totally thinking, agree, but yeah. I don't think he's going to carry the ball when you need it. When I felt like that was something you yeah. need against the Saracens pack, who were you know look at the lads who they were rolling off the bench, you know. But their so props were Vincent Cock was yeah. absolutely <laughs> like, sensational. That, that was a Barrington. They look alike. Yeah, as well. <laughs> Cock coming on was like a blessing in disguise for him, wasn't it? Oh yeah, he was brilliant. He was incredible, incredible, and like he really made up for losing when Mako goes off. You're kind of thinking. Well, okay, because I thought that was a game changer. I yeah. was thinking, brilliant, absolutely. Because and you think back to how Both good he was go off after half an hour. Yeah, and <laughs> it told you, it told you he goes to the bin as well. Like you know, you talk yeah. about big. Moments. Well, yeah, when you talk about Leinster's depth, like the, when when they are losing key men like Carberry and Murphy, and now next season Jack McGrath, you really need to nail every import you have. And mm. t- like Tamani was sitting in the stand there, you know, yeah. you know, not from injury, just wasn't picked. So that's 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 another thing. But um, to go to go back to the game as well for a second, what did you make of, of you know some of those those key battles we discussed in advance? It looks like Saracens probably got the. Edge in, in a lot of them, you know. But what do you, what do you make of the you know, out half? You know, in, even in the, the overall pack versus pack. Yeah, I, I do you know what I'm. I'm reticent enough to make a, to make a comparison on the halfbacks because I think it's so dependent on how your pack play. But I'm happy to talk about the pack stuff because I think. They did get the edge. I thought a few guys were brilliant in the Leinster team. I thought uh, Keane Furlong had a superb yeah. game. Furlong again, outstanding. Um, I thought that. Um, James Ryan had a monster of a game as well. Like he, like we just say that every Him time. Just, you just, you just say it as standard, yeah. now, don't you? It's, you do, it's his, yeah. his, his standards are ridiculous. twenty and like twenty and twenty two or something like like the tackles and uh, and carries something crazy. Like it was, like it's just every game he's like he's like. Do you know the way in basketball they always talk about like he's a double double like yeah. merchant like, but he's he literally is a. It's interesting he, to see a Todger get in his face, pull his jersey over his head. Yeah, and he still played on without it. He yeah. was still he was still making tackles yeah. on his shoulder pads. The uh, man, he, he just loves it though, doesn't he? You can see he's yeah. just built for it. He's craving it. And the scary thing is, he's so young that he's still he's still learning yeah. the game. He's Fardy as well. By the way, was oh immense. he was brilliant. Actually, Fardy was you t- and he was very you t- unlucky. You with talk the about imports. He's yeah he was. But very he's been brilliant. Like he's and been incredible. Do you know what as well? They really I, like I I feel like James Lowe could have been like any imp- any time he touched the ball. Actually, I thought he looked really really dangerous. I thought Liam Williams actually edged that. Um, but again, you're probably saying that they probably had more he'd more he'd better opportunities. But I thought the bits that J- like James Lowe. 
they just need to find ways to get him in the game. That just you just like he needs to be like I, I think he probably has a free role, but I felt like it was too much of the game where he was out in the wing. Like I, I really thought he needs to just be roving. Mm. I wonder um now depending on this full fullback situation, I wonder is he the fullback? Is he the fullback for you? That's what I, I that is something that I think they need to they need to consider, you know. I thought Rob Carniak, by the way, had a had a super game. It's that not, break it's not was that. phenomenal. Uh, it was a brilliant break, yeah. It was it was absolutely class. And he looked really strong, the fan was brilliant. But I, I don't know, I sorry, I just feel like that guy, the more times he touches the ball, the more good things well, happen. It's interesting because he, he popped up for that move in the, or in the start of the second half. Him and Jackson combined yeah. well. Ringrose got the ball and then you know there was a chance then they were after. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I thought Saracens were very lucky that, I mean, if you look at I think Tyg Furlong gets the ball from the Gary Ringrose kind of half break. Uh, they, there's if I, I think he gets a yellow card if they have someone in the rook, but he's just tackling them. He's does he, there, no, no matter what, if they had someone in that rook, because I, I looked at it back and back and I was thinking, how did Garces miss that? But I was thinking, uh, you know, there's no one competing in that rook, so technically it is just open play. Um, but very lucky because if they had someone, I guarantee he wouldn't have changed mm. his mind. He would have been tackling them anyway. And I, th- I think that was a clear yellow card otherwise. So I think there was a few, like, again, we talk about moments and there was a few moments, but. Um, look, I, th- I think as well, like it is something that Gary probably has to think about generally in his game. I talked about it with him before, and I thought he'd kind of, I'd seen a bit of a change. I think it, it's fine against, um, you know, I think in Ireland, for whatever reason, they just they like to just play phase after phase after phase and just try and bash through you um, and back their retention skills. And they're, they're, I think they back the referees to get the momentum through penalties if they're not breaking you down that way. Um, but he, he, I just feel like there's something that's missing from Leinster in terms of playmaking. They just need they need something else outside Johnny Sexton. If it's not coming from, um, you know, Luke McGrath, Johnny Sexton, like who's passing the ball for them? Like who's getting? It's the same problem Ireland have. Is like where the, where is the second pass coming from to break the line? Hinshaw and Ringrose are both capable of it, though, aren't they? I agree. They're, I think they are, but I think Gary they're, doesn't they're, do it very often. I don't think. Yeah, no, he 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 definitely doesn't. But without a shadow of a doubt, he has the capability. Well, he's to, a brilliant rugby player. He's, he's one of my favourite players. players to watch. To yeah. be honest with you, but I think that's the last piece of his game. I talked about it a long time ago. He just it, he hasn't figured out that little bit of depth to give himself the time mm. to get the ball away, um, and. Yeah, like I think people aren't expecting him to pass now, which is kind of that's what happens when you not when you don't do it, you know. So you don't get the calls from the outside because mm. they're just expecting <laughs> you. It, it's honestly, yeah. I do think that does happen, you know, um, and because I, th- I heard people talking about the communication, and I think that's actually a fair. I think it was Raj talking about it, about you know what was the communication like outside him because like if you're not absolutely roaring at him before he gets that ball, like you know he's been probably taking everything under pressure all day he sees them he sees the soft shoulder he's going to back himself because usually and he did he did break the first tackle um but like, that ball has to go but yeah. there's a few things again it's probably not down to one thing it's mm. probably not the kick it's probably you know or you know who's chasing it you know what happens after it is there a good tackle is there a roll away for that situation who's talking to Gary before before that ball even comes out someone probably should be he should be roaring at him you need to feel oftentimes as a playmaker um, I think you need to feel the urgency outside you, you know, so you just don't eat up the space. Mm. You just go, okay, there's something on. I just got to boom, catch and give. That's you know, sometimes you have to feel it. It's hard to describe, but in big games, you need to feel the urgency outside you. So um, I'm sure there's not just one component to that one either. Uh, and to go back to the pack for a second, you know, obviously since their big heavies got over the game line consistently, and one player I think we we think a little beforehand that had to have a big game was Sean O'Brien in opposition. He had a, he had a tough outing, you know. I think he carried like ten. 10 times, 12 times, but only for like one or two yards, yeah, cumulatively. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, was a t- it was a tough day for him because Lancer did need him to kind of match the, the Saracens back row who really stood up. Yeah, he, he, he was outplayed, but I mean, I, I don't think I'd be writing his obituary just yet because I go back to the Toulouse game and he was absolutely outstanding. And I know I was writing that, you know, he was back to close to his best. Luke is right, like, you know, if, when you're talking about the halfbacks, you go back to the pack, but he got outplayed. I think Jackson Ray, we actually talked about Jackson Ray a bit last week, is one of the most unheralded members of this Saracen squad. He was absolutely brilliant. But, yeah, look, it wasn't a good day for O'Brien. Um, I still think, though, that he's got a, a big role to play for Ireland at the World Cup before he goes off to London Irish. I think he showed enough in that Toulouse game to suggest that he has still enough in the tank. But it probably one one game, though, really, where he has been at his best, to be fair, like, over the course of the season. No, he's absolutely. been injured, but when he's played... Even in the Six Nations, he didn't hit those heights. No, no, he hasn't. But I mean, I feel like he's working back that he needed the game time. It'd be interesting to see if he'll play this weekend against Munster. But 
like Ireland and Leinster are definitely missing Dan Levy, aren't they? I mean, oh, you yeah. talk about a physical presence, and he would have relished that. And you know, it's really unfortunate. Even for if him. Van der Flair was fit a week earlier, yeah, he would have that been gives a big you a, impact, a little yeah. bit of a different option. But I think in terms of being that kind of I hate the word, but like a Test match animal, and that was pretty much a Test match. Levy would have been perfect for that game. Not saying he like Leinster would have won it, but yeah, O'Brien did get outplayed. I think he'd be the first to admit it, but I wouldn't be writing him off just yet. Yeah, I think like they, there's a good chance that defence makes a lot of people look fairly ordinary as well. Mm. Uh, like the only person who really consistently made gain lines was actually Kane Healy. I thought. Um, so good. Oh, he's just a freak of an athlete, you know. Um, and he's got the footwork to match alongside. I think they didn't like they really haven't. There was no ball play amongst the forwards. Like sometimes, the, sometimes you just need to be playing that one out. Like you just need to stand and deliver. It mm. just drags. So two guys will hedge on you. And then you can just pass it out. I, t- I think he, that's like if Shawnee was doing that quite a bit in the Toulouse game. And I think off the back that it probably opens up a few opportunities for you because it softens up the defence or they just have more of a decision to make. Mm. Or you have more one on ones. Like half of the tackles they're making are two, two on ones. Like they're smashing you with two people like, and you're going backwards at a, at a rate of knots. Um, but yeah, I'd be, I'd be careful. I think Shawnee was very good in the last game as well. I, I have a feeling that Saracens can make lots of people look very ordinary with that uh, defensive line speed. And they have some serious specimens. Like we, we didn't actually mention at all was, like Will Skelton looks like a completely different yeah. player. Like he's, he's and, and, and in fairness, I think he was probably resigned to playing those kind of 20, 30 minute cameos with the Waratahs because he was overweight. I read something that, has he lost 25 kilos yeah, or something? Yeah, huge mental weight. But like yeah. he looks, he was unbelievable, lads. Mm. Like he is, I don't know, like how do you stop that guy getting momentum bar trying to make the collision happen way behind the gain line? Yeah. Like that's because otherwise, I don't like, he's 100, what is he, 135, 40 kilos? Like he's an absolute monster yeah. like the only way you, you, you say because like, he's going to dominate every collision you just have to make sure the collision happens before the gain line you know yeah. that's my and I they had a few guys who are, I felt like I thought Kosh was a bit like that all day or uh, I don't know what is I'm going to say Kosh. I'm going to stick with Kosh <laughs> pre-water show you want pre-water it's a family show it's in Kosh um, but uh, yeah like himself I think it is cock though isn't it it's cock yeah, yeah okay just yeah, make sure I'm calling sure him anyway. so I wasn't yeah. completely yeah. slandering the man after his but Billy Bunapola is in the same kind of breath oh, he, and like I thought those phenomenal. two guys are so hard to stop um, in the collision like, well it, what did it take four four people was it four in the end or tried to stop him for the no and he was just ridiculous and yeah. again I was watching it back for like the third or fourth time today and Jack Conan had a similar one in the first half you know and he gets stopped at the gain line in a similar kind of position but Funapola is just a freak you know yeah. and all the other stuff we can just put that to his side for a second and just appreciate like he's still only 26 yeah, it's like a joke, isn't it? Like I, 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 they have know, the dodgy you know, birth certs there as well. You got out to me for saying cock, and you're happy to throw that one out. Bunapola <laughs> is like um, George North. You know, you know how young he is, but it, like every time you hear it, you're like, what? How is this guy so young? Like he, he has the potential, I think, to be the star of of the world. He'll Cup, never be the star anymore. Can't be because of. Ah, you can't be talking like you know. What oh I mean? no, I yeah. sorry, I mean on the pitch. No, but sorry. yeah, but like yes, he's sorry, a brilliant I mean, rugby player. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 sorry, no, you're not saying. I'm, the endorsement just, deals I'm just perhaps, saying, yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. he's never going to be a superstar because yeah. of it, you know, because he's a gobshite. Um, yeah, sorry, no, that's no. I, I, I think he is a gobshite. I don't. That's like ridiculous stuff to be talking about, and it's it's a shame that we talk about that stuff about him. Um, because it, like, as you say he's a brilliant rugby player and he's, yeah, no, he's, he's an absolute joy to watch yeah. it because he's just a, you love seeing those guys he's like you know they're freaking natures it's like the two laggy brothers mm. or the John Alomus of, of, mm. of the world you know so um, yeah it's a shame he's a cop show <laughs> but while we're on the subject of Saracens you know we were talking about last week about you know this final and whoever wins it being in the pantheon of all time great teams and that performance certainly puts them up there against anyone Far ahead of Toulon, as we agree last week. But <laughs> we that, know that, that, that aside, no but that aside uh, <laughs> you know, they are they are an, an outrageously good team. And what Mark McCall has done with yeah. them, you know, a bit like Leo Cullen, he hasn't been afraid to surround mm. himself with strong personalities in the coaching box. You know, he is a director of rugby. He brought in a lot of capable coaches over the years to help on this journey, but it's, it's some achievement. Absolutely. I mean, he's so unheralded. And, you know, every time you hear him, he, he, he hates talking about himself. It's always about his players. And I feel like your, your casual sort of rugby fan maybe doesn't realise or appreciate like that he's this, Irish. The, even. And, and, yeah, that, exactly. And this guy was almost run out of Ulster, like, you know, so an incredible coach, clearly. And just on the Saracens thing, I, I know they're not the easiest club to like and gobshites like uh, Billy Vunapola doesn't help that. That's not but the club's fault, though. No, 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 no. But I, you mm. know, it's just part Wolf of the image then, when, and all this. Oh, but yeah. like, <laughs> as a, as a rugby team to watch, I, like I think they're incredible to watch and what what they do to teams. Like I thought, watching what they did to Leinster 
and having seen, you know, obviously you don't see Saracens every week, but knowing how good Leinster are and watching them manipulate them and shut them down, I thought it was a joy to watch. And I was listening to someone saying, you know, from if someone had just walked in and didn't really watch much rugby and watched it, would they really have thought that was a great game? But I thought it was incredible to watch, you know, yeah. what they did. It was one for the savants. <laughs> and the purists. Yeah, I don't even know. The cliche one for the purists <laughs> was invented to describe that was one. It, was, it re- was it really one for the purists? So I thought it was like, I, I don't know. Was, yeah. I thought uh, 2010, like, there's like. You know. It wasn't champagne. No. no, well, yeah, I wasn't watching Toulouse, you know, carve it up against Racing or whatever, but it was still like there was so much to like from it. And I know as a club, like I said, absorbing. Yeah, absorbing, yeah. I, I really liked it. I'm on my fourth or fifth viewing. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really, three times. Like, we, get get it, we get it, mate. We <laughs> get it, mate. You don't have the luxury to sit back and, and watch <laughs> the game. So all day. Like, there, man. Get out, Jesus, yeah. get out. Um, and just as we talk about, you know, they're not a great club to love, but uh, I just thought Alex Good's post-match performance <laughs> on the on the batter for <laughs> three days. As, almost as good as his on the pitch performance. Yeah, yeah it was excellent. Full yeah. kit, wanker, for three consecutive yeah. days. Apparently he did that for when they won at the last time as well, so I think it's become his thing. It's and his like, thing. and when I saw he was wearing the boots, I was like, that's great. But then I read that he actually had his gum shield as well, which is just <laughs> outstanding. <laughs> it's outstanding. How does that compare with your Champions Cup winning celebrations? Did you have any good ones uh, over the years? I was never good at that stuff, no. No. Uh, no, not particularly. I've gotten a lot better since I retired. I <laughs> um, celebrate anything now, but uh, no, I was used to. I, I I was listening to someone talk about. Uh, I think it was James Haskell actually talking about never having really celebrated any of the stuff properly. And I'd say I class myself in that. I do really? re- regret it a little bit. I remember after the. Now we were going away on a Lions tour. I still main, you know maintain, but <laughs> I was I didn't booze before, before uh, after the first Heineken Cup win, and um, yeah, because I was up trying to I remember trying to collect Jamie Heath up the next morning and he yeah, was saying you told me that story dead yeah. to the world <laughs> yeah, who fella. was the best man for a Champions Cup final celebration then um, do you know I'd say I always loved Ferg McFadden is the <laughs> best crack to be around because he's so funny as well Um and he's just a bundle of energy. Like, he's great fun to be... Like, anytime you're going on for a few points, Ferg is great fun. He tells a story and does a good impression of everyone. Oh, he's just great fun. Paul O'Donoghue is great fun as well to, to be around on those. And so a few of those guys are always great to, to hang around when you're celebrating something. And anyone in the full kick category like Alex Scudo now? Um, no, not. I think we'd kind of slagged. That That would have, wouldn't have been tolerated. There was a few heavies there. A few of the old heads like Shaggy or Dricko would have just been... <laughs> well, they've actually... Would have absolutely rubbished it, they all predated John Terry's antics. So maybe the full <laughs> kick thing hadn't actually reached <laughs> civilization. Absolutely yeah. annihilated you for that. Uh, Se- Do you know what was great fun? Johnny Sexton's always great fun for as long as he lasts in the night because he usually hasn't drunk in about kind of three or four months. But he was always great fun oh, after. really? Ah, he's great fun. Like he gets a bit of a. I think like he because he's very serious, um, and because he sacrifices quite a bit, um, and he's lots of really good traits as well. Like he's he doesn't mind picking people up for things, which is something that people aren't great at. Like he'll just tell you if he feels something different. He's no problem going like swimming against the tide. Um, so I think sometimes he can get um, a bit of a bad raffle, but when you get him, he's he loves being he's in the middle of the crack. He's actually very funny on social media. You wouldn't. You know, oh no, he's really. Oh, you, if, you, if you know him, that you, you'd kind of expect because he's a, he's a very bright guy as well. So like you see, like and he's good good eye for fun and that. So he he's good fun when you're on. He goes book ape usually when you win something. That's something that actually I was reading an interview with Jamie George before the final, and he was saying that you know that he was kind of surprised about how laid back away from rugby Johnny Sexton was, and I think Jamie George was the only um, English player to go to Jack McGrath wedding last year and, and he was saying the same thing that Johnny Sexton was grey crack you know that oh he loves it when he's yeah, yeah. He's, but like, he's a normal guy like, yeah, and exactly. he's one of the lads yeah, and he's grown up for all the guys people forget that don't they that's ah you do and like, yeah. people. the problem is though, normal people who like points yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but people kind of forget it and because like he'd just be like it's, it's amazing he's one of those guys that we're getting off on a weird I don't know why we're talking about Johnny Sexton but he's one of those guys all my friends who've ever met he's him a pretty famous say, rugby player it's not unusual to talk about I him know, in a rugby podcast but like all my friends who've met him are always saying geez he's like real real normal guy and I was like well actually Person. most of the guys are really normal like you're going to get obviously some different personalities that don't like being you know in the in the public eye and they're kind of you know they could be rude if someone they're just they're awkward about it mm. they're awkward about meeting people but some people he, they always found him really nice and I was saying yeah that he is a good guy um so yeah no look it's 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 a it's a bit of a shame like in terms of the, of bringing it back to, to the game and, and coming obviously we've, we've obviously just talked about this week as well like a few few cracking games but I think there's just a few key learnings for Leinster from it. You know, I think they need to rethink just maybe a few little things in their game. It's not the difference in that game. While it looked massive, um, it's not. Like I think you can change a few small things, and it'd make a really big difference to it, and it would probably even out the contest. Um, and I think they're well capable of doing it. Even though, as you say, it is an interesting dynamic in Leinster now, where 
the bench last year just looked formidable. You were mm. thinking, Jesus, like, where does it stop? Like, where does the pressure from Leinster end? Like, it just doesn't for the 80 minutes. The guys who come on could be better. Um, and it looks like there's a few guys that need to step up to the plate in that department now, so they really need to bring a few of those guys on because they've missed Dan Levy. They've missed him. They missed Josh van der Fleer not, not being on the bench. Because um, if you're bringing, like, the likes of a Reese Ruddock and a Josh van der Fleer off the bench or a Dan Levy or whoever it was or a Sean O'Brien, if that was the, whoever is in the mix there, like it's that, that's for, you know that that's a big difference like mm. that is so like the injuries have told a little bit for them this year and they've missed Easton Asibo I think Tamani's proved to be um, he's had a challenging first year um, and I think that's probably been a bit generous if I'm being honest I've been yeah he's had a challenging first year he needs to have a big year next year um, it, 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 I think the real test for Joe Tamani will be during the World Cup period when yeah. all the big guys are away this is why you yeah. sign him because you know Scafardi is going to yeah. be you know one of yeah. the people holding it all together that's when he really needs to step up and if he can step up then and get his confidence back <clears throat> by yeah. the time the big guns yeah. come back you know for the Champions Cup time that that could be the real start of his Leinster there's no way he's, he's a bad talented. player no, he's, he's absolutely talented. a very good rugby yeah. player now I think I, I will be I'm very clear having watched him all season that he's not a centre there's 100% yeah. he's not a centre he's a winger mm. he is 100% a winger but you can have a huge impact on the game on the wing like look at what Easton Asiwa did from yeah. the wing and he's Same also he, and he's also yeah. coming from France where you know oh, who knows what kind mess. of coaching yeah, he was yeah. getting and then you imagine going into Stuart Lancaster and you know what's yeah. being asked he was very different so injury again, as well that was a bad injury yeah he got, got a bad yeah, hamstring hamstring injury, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, yeah. We'll finish up by looking ahead to this weekend because obviously, you know, ordinarily a Champions Cup final could signal the end of the season, but we have an absolutely huge game in the RDS this Saturday for both teams. Like, for Leinster to finish with, without, the season without silverware would be a disaster. For Munster, given what's happened in the last couple of weeks, they're under huge pressure as well to deliver. Like, it's it's set up really interestingly. Yeah, Munster are probably under more pressure. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm not sure about that. As you said, there's a lot of pressure on Leinster, you know, as champions. I think the whole mess off the pitch for Munster is 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 just as concerning as what's going is, on. Is it, can I ask, sorry, I know we're on a tangent here, but is it a mess? What's the story? The story is that they're losing two of their backroom team and that it was very unexpected. Oh, sorry, I know, yeah. yeah but, no, but, now the but now they're chasing their tail. So from my understanding of what it happened? is... My understanding of it is that they were both offered new deals, which they were, I think, the lengths of contracts that were offered were different. Now, my assumption would be that maybe Felix Jones was less than Flannery's was. Um, word got out then about that Munster were looking at Rob Howley, so it was quite clear that you know he was being massively demoted. Yeah. And I think they they saw each other as a bit of a. Do you a, think? A, a, yeah, because the Flannery one, like I wouldn't have been shocked if Jones had announced, given they were bringing in an attack coach, yeah, that he wanted to leave. But for Flannery, the Munster man, the pack. Is, it wouldn't be pointed out as a problem either. They're supposed to be very, very close, and apparently, I find it very hard to believe. But apparently, that they've believed that they are a coaching duo, and that they might, you know, their next step could be together. So I'd say it's a case of watching this space. But just in terms of what they're losing, you know, I, I think the there's been some talk this season that Van Grand does a lot of the attack, but it's kind of come out in the last, you know, few weeks that he actually does a lot of the forward pack as well. So. I don't know, my reading of the situation could be way off would be if you look at someone like Paul O'Connell in Stad who's getting out of there because Heineken Meyer, you know, by all accounts, he yeah. just isn't able to get his points across and he was kind of hinting at that to you guys when yeah. you had him in yeah. here a few months ago. Van Gran is very much from the school of Heineken Meyer. So my reading of it is maybe he wants to do a lot of the things and maybe the likes of your Flannery and Felix Jones aren't able to get their ideas across. I mean, we even saw, you know, Ron O'Gara came out today and said that he had spoken to Munster and he doesn't want to go back because he wants to be the head coach. But I think it's a tricky one now because I think if coaches from the outside are looking at this, it's Munster is clearly still a huge club and very attractive. But I think coaches are going, going to want to go in there and feel like, they're going to be able to get their points of view across because it, from the outside looking in, it really doesn't look great to lose two very, very, you know, exciting young coaches. You, you, everyone says that uh, Flannery had been doing a really good job from the inside. And then you look at, you know, Joe Smith was the one who kind of really instigated the jo Felix Jones move to Munster yeah. because he saw something in him and had him in on the summer tour. He's a grafter and he's a smart guy. And I think Schmidt sees so a lot of similarities yeah, like he'll be good wherever he goes. Yeah. Exactly. The whole, the whole two thing guys. is just bizarre. It's weird, the isn't timing, it? Sorry, yeah. the, the, everything about it is bizarre. Like that, kind of, that could surely unsettle the squad. It could, it could do, but I look. I think it'll, it could galvanize them as well. So I think that's probably it's a, it, it's pro I, and I would say more on the the galvanized side. I don't think there's. I think it's not so much a flip of a coin. I think they'll want to finish the season, um, on a high. I think it's disappointing for them as Keane made some great points there. Like I mean, 
two guys who I have a huge amount of time for, both very, very smart guys, both very driven. Uh, you could see it in how they played, how they trained. They're, you know, you'd, you'd imagine they'd be going about the job in the, in the, in the same vein. Um, and, you know, they're, that's what you want. You want to work with people who are, you know, smart and work hard as well. I mean, that seems like the best combination. So, um, yeah, look, it's, it seems like very disappointing, you know, and you'd, you'd wonder you know, what the environment is like behind for the coaching staff because it looks like a happy player group to me. I don't think they seem they, unhappy. They wouldn't be signing or, on. They wouldn't be signing yeah. on. All these guys... I think it's from tw- the, yeah, from a playing perspective, they've all signed on. Like, and and even the likes of Joey Carberry and Ty Byrne, you know, they've already signed on. So, I mean, yeah. the, the players have bought into whatever's going on, but there's something not right not right off the pitch, clearly, because, like I said, they're two homegrown yeah. homegrown. They might coaches. be necessarily in the environment. It might just be that they felt really miffed about the contracts. Uh, but, you know, yeah. we don't know what they were offered. They might have been very... They, they might have been... There might have been an improvement. There might have been, as you say, it could have been the term of yeah. the contract, which is kind of saying, "Well, look, are, are we in this for a long-term project or mm. not?" Like this is, you know, I, I think they, I think it's a, play, a club that's going places as well, from what I can see. I think, um, I think it's an exciting prospect. I think everyone who's gone to Munster always, always loves it. They just love it down there. Um, I know some people have probably had difficult journeys, but really they've loved it, like because. Uh, once you're once you're part of the group down there, I know my own family were down in Cork, and they just we just absolutely loved it. Yeah, most of my parents' closest friends. So once you're once you get in the original, once you're you're into the mafia, you're in, um, and they really embrace you. And I think it's a really nice place to, to to kind of be a part of. So I think it's it's a look, it's a it's a difficult situation for them to be in. I think it'll uh, personally, I think it'll galvanise them for the end of the season. But next season is the worrying bit. Is how do you keep the continuity? Yeah. Uh, just before we, we finish up, uh, from a Leinster perspective, going into this weekend's game, how difficult a job is it for Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster to to get the players back on track after a very tough loss? You know, to lose a European final is devastating. You have to turn it around, play your biggest rivals, in a, a week later. Yeah, I think it's really challenging. I think it's advantage Munster in that respect, purely basing that on. Your I think pre-season the, prediction that you thought Munster would yeah, win the league and you don't want to run back. Too, Will. Uh, no, but leaving that aside, I think Munster are probably one of the only teams in the competition who wouldn't have wouldn't have a fear factor coming up. Now, they haven't got an unbelievable record, um, but they could have won that one last season. That was a bloody close game. Um, I think their pack is better this year. Um, I think they maybe miss Zebo a little bit, but other than that, I think the pack kind of bal- that balances it up a little bit for me. Um, and I think they won't have a fear coming up to the RDS. They just won't. Um, so it's, it, and, and I think they've got the weeks, the, the extra weeks preparation will really help. They'll be refreshed. Like that was a, an absolute war of attrition. Um, mm. In like it's it's I think this is nearly the same as you know the, I don't know what the bookies have it at, but I'd have it as a flat match because I just oh, think Lancer, but- Eight, seven, eight point favorites. Really? Yeah. Or they really were, they were before. I suppose yeah. the thing about Leinster is they can probably freshen up if they want to. You know, they have a couple of options there, which I think that would be very interesting because yeah. Leo Cullen has shown, you know, that he's not afraid to. Didn't he? He made a couple of good couple of changes, didn't he? After last yeah. season's championship, being one of them. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. he has form in this area, and they have the players to do it. But like I said, Munster have had two weeks to prepare for this. Now their last game, they were so poor against Benetton. Their attack, you know, was just yeah. non-existent. So they've had two weeks to fine tune that. And you look at Leinster, who probably only coming Keith back. Keith Earls and coming back is, make is a big massive. Difference. Absolutely, yeah. So everything is within Munster, you know, to go and actually take that next step and hopefully fulfil Luke's prediction <laughs> <laughs> the most important uh, thing of all exactly that's a look let's get our priorities straight but yeah look it is a big one for them I, I feel like it's probably advantage them currently if, if it hadn't been for this little mm. um, uh, I don't bump know what, in the road. little bump in the road or situation that they yeah. have with the backroom staff you'd probably be thinking geez they're in a really good position to, to attack Leinster who've had a really look because they'll be flat in Leinster this week you know they'll have to try and they'll be talking all week about building up but um, it's a real challenge for them. Um, so yeah, like it, it makes for a. Gr- I think this is a really exciting one. I think this has potential um, to kind of explode in the RDS and to, and for us actually to see a really good game of rugby. So we'll finish up with prediction time. So we have Glasgow versus Ulster in Glasgow, and we have Leinster versus Munster in the RDS. Who's going to be playing in the Pro 14 final in Celtic Park the following weekend? I'm gonna back. Uh, I think I'm actually going to back uh, Ulster to beat them. Yeah, for the for the crack, I think I'm going to do it. The for the okay. crack, this is the kind of analysis you're <laughs> for, is it? Well, I hate this crap. I hate the, picking the, the game. There's so many variables to consider in in, in these uh, in these things. But I think um, I, I like the way Ulster have actually been playing currently. Uh, if I'm being honest, I think their pack is is playing really well. I think if you look at how physical they were in that Connacht game, um, you know, could see as well. Like you know, it's it, so good. He's a, he's a brilliant rugby mm. player. You know. Um, if they have a few, like I think Glasgow will have an edge in the backs, but um, 
by by what amount I don't know. I think particularly at the fullback, like I mean, Hogg is just outstanding. Um, but I don't know. I just have a weird feeling about that one. Uh, I was thinking about it before coming because I knew I knew he'd bloody ask me about it. But um, I think I'm going to say Ulster by uh, two points or three points in that one. I think they might just edge it. Um, Pack need a monster of a game. Um, I think. Um, you ask me now, I'd probably change my mind, but I think, I think Leinster, by like by two or three points only as well. So you're finally reneging on your prediction. I am. I'm gonna have to. I, I didn't realize we were playing Leinster in the way. Gutless, you gutless, yellow belly. You literally spent eight. Well, I hope months. I'm wrong because then I can just say I can just, no one ever listens back to this. So I can just say. Sorry, the reason I was saying is I think. Um, I th- Maybe home, maybe home field. I was thinking Munster would get top of their pool, so they wouldn't have to to face Leinster at this point. But it'd be a um, final, maybe. Yeah. I thought it might be there, and then you're kind of saying, "Oh, it's neutral ground." And da, 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 but anyway, <laughs> yeah. So I think maybe Leinster were two or three. If I'm being honest. Uh, yeah, I thought Ulster were outstanding against Connacht. Mm. I thought you mentioned the pack; they were immense, and you know, could mm. see a, like it's a really good story that could see a story like you know, for a man who should have been retired twice, come back. It's amazing to see him doing so well and. It shows why Ulster have shown so much faith in him, and it's really good to see. Um, the Rory Best factor, I think, is big as well. You know, like th- th- yeah. there's such a hunger and will yeah. for to go out and you know win some silverware with him before he retires. Um, it'd be interesting if Jacob Stockdale is fit. You mentioned Glasgow mm-hmm. having an edge; they definitely do in the backs. I think they need someone like Jacob Stockdale who can give you that bit of X factor. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see the team before nailing my first match. <laughs> but I think Glasgow will be tough to beat yeah, at home. But really, yeah. I would, be, I'd be much more confident having seen Ulster's performance against Connacht because I thought they were really and against Leinster as well. Let's yeah, be fairly excellent. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Ulster win it. Um, yeah, Munster. I just worry about their attack. I mean, have just haven't seen it. And even Peter Romani is talking in tomorrow's paper that they haven't put an eighty-minute performance together this season when it's mattered. Now is the time to do it. Earls and Carberry are massive to have back. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think Leinster hurting at home. Like I said, they can make the changes and they'll be fresh, somewhat fresh. So, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Luke. Maybe Leinster by a, sco- a score, maybe. It's difficult to call. The only reason it's so difficult to call, I think, is because of the match on the weekend. Like, I think the Leinster will be kind of factor, flat, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, it's going to be really difficult to turn those guys around. And, and Munster have lots of... They've lots of ways they can attack Leinster. I think like they're, they're, if you know Dave Kilcoyne's been brilliant for them. I think those two guys in the second row will give Leinster guys a really good run for their money. And with, with Peter Manny around the loose, like CJ Stanner, like it's kind of it kind of nearly matches off. It nearly kind of it's it's I nearly think honors even in the pack. You know, with with, with the caveat that like Munster can really cause you difficulty in the lineup, which is the big part of of Leinster's game. You know. Mm. Um, you know, can you get ball against Peter Manny? Do you have to throw to, you know, can you get over him all day? He's a nightmare. Like, he's brilliant for Ireland there as well. Um, They'll take a huge amount of confidence yeah. from beating him in Tolman Park. A, yeah. a, a, a decent Leinster team, I think, you know, it had been well. a while. You know, so well. I think they'll take a yeah. huge amount from that. Well, you had a great match last weekend and it's not all over yet. Luke, Keane, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers. Thanks, Will. And that's all we have time for this week on The Left Wing. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week to review all the Pro 14 action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye.